0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 38 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked while you're out there. And hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much for being here. Now we have a great guest on the show today. And it was a great a great conversation and something you maybe haven't heard before on a, on a mountain bike podcast. So it was very interesting. But before that, do you want to win a free entry to the Dava Enduro well, we have a free entry up for grabs, worth up to £40 to give away to you guys, courtesy of Michael at the Davo Enduro. The event takes place from Saturday the 30th of June until Sunday the 1st of July. And as you all know, it is an awesome event and well worth entering and having a blast of a time while you're there. So to enter, it's quite simple. Simply go to our website, mtb-tribe.com, subscribe to the show Now, remember to check your email um, so you can confirm your subscription. Once you do that, then simply go to the contact form via the website and drop me a quick email with your name and that you have subscribed for a free Davo Enduro entry and that you're keen and you want to win the race. So that's all you have to do. It's very simple. I will then get back in contact with you if you're the winner and let you know. So I'm going to randomly pick the winner on the 10th of June and I'll contact you via email after that now if you are already a subscriber to the show thanks very much of course but just drop me a quick email again via the contact link on the website if you want uh, and let me know that you want to win an entry to the Dava Enduro that would be cool again I will get back to you if you're the winner of that. Um, So do that. It's very simple and it's well worth it. Now, if you want some more info, you can head over to the resources page on the website. It's just in the top right-hand side. You can click on that and you'll get a wee bit more info there on the Dava Enduro. There's a link there you can click, which will take you to the official entry site so you can get more info on dates, etc., what to expect. And um, awesome day. Awesome couple of days, it's on Saturday and Sunday, and it's well worth trying to win yourself a £40 entrance fee. So hopefully that is you, and good luck with that, and if you are entering the race, good luck, and I hope you have a blast of a time. Now, on to today's show. Today's show, we are chatting with Tom Redfern, who is the founder and owner of Broken Riders MTB Apparel. Now, Tom is a one-man machine behind this brand. And Tom found his way into the fashion world kind of by accident. Um, So it just happens that the accident was on the mountain bike. And when recovering from this, Tom had an idea to start a mountain bike brand for people just like himself, people like you, people like me, something cool, comfortable to wear after a ride. Um, He has achieved that for sure. The stuff is lovely great quality. So we chat all about that. We chat about where Tom got the idea for Broken Riders, why Tom felt there was a hole in the MTB fashion market for a brand like Broken Riders. We chat about Tom's background in graphic design and how how that helped him get started. And we chat about future plans and what Tom thinks future fashion trends will look like in the MTB world. We also chat about why Tom feels the brand needs to be of the highest environmental standards and that's pretty awesome, to be fair. Um, the brand is really cool, got really environmentally strong stance there, so awesome. Now, Tom has given us a offer for listeners of the podcast, so it's pretty cool. So all you have to do is visit their site, brokenridersuk.com. Again, go to the show notes and the links will be in the show notes. But BrokenRidersUK.com And when you go to the checkout section to claim your free 20% off simply enter the following code at Tribe. So that's spelled M-T-B-T-R-I-B-E One word. Enter that at checkout and you will get a free 20% off. The offer starts the 31st of May and ends the 8th of June at midnight. So you've got a week or so To do that and get an extra 20% off, go to the website, check out the gear. It's really nice stuff, really environmentally friendly, and you will not be disappointed by that stuff from Tom and Broken Riders. So thanks, folks, for listening. Let's get Tom on the show. Let's hear a little bit more about Broken Riders, and let's welcome Tom to the MTB Tribe podcast. Tom, how are you doing? Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. It is awesome to have you on the show and thanks very much for being here because I know you're a busy man. How's how's things treating you today?
0: Yeah, good thanks, although we could do some sunshine here in Brighton. It's um, miserable weather outside, grey and it's been raining, but you know, I'm alive, feeling fit, so that's all good.
1: Awesome stuff, awesome. Well, you know what, it is really nice and sunny here today in Ireland, so we are getting the best of it. Don't rub it in, mate. <laughs> so, in saying <laughs> that, when I got up this morning, I was up at um, about 10 to 7. I was going to the gym, and the, uh, the, wind, the windscreen in the van was iced over. It was oh. two degrees this morning here. Crazy. Yeah. Is the summer ever going to actually come in properly?
0: It you keeps us, doesn't it? We get dry trails for for and then went back to the slop
1: (laughs) yeah that's it well here thanks so much for coming on the show i know you're busy and everything else and you uh you produce a range of clothing called broken riders and believe it or not the first time i seen so this this just shows you how how things work the first time i seen your brand was i was actually on a call with brian kennedy from the youtube channel bkxc
0: yeah, oh, what a great YouTube channel that is as well. He's, he's a great yeah. guy, actually. I, lo- I love watching him because he, um, the way he rides, you know, he's not an amazing rider. He's a he's an average rider, like most of us are. Mm-hmm. And you know, you watch his videos, and it's actually like it's you that's riding because he makes the same mistakes we all make, and <laughs> the same amount of fun we all make, and he does the same amount of cursing that we all do, and. Mm-hmm. Really good fun and a really lovely bloke.
1: I ah, he has, He's a top. He's a top level dude. Um, so I had him on the podcast, but he was actually wearing one of your tops.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, he, uh, um, I think he approached me a couple of years ago, and um, when he was first starting, and I sent him a load of stuff, and he was really generous in giving us plugs on his uh, on his um, videos. Um, he kind of got to the stage where he kind of wanted a bit more than I could afford to give him, unfortunately, which is uh, true of many of the riders that I've he started with but um you know i wish him all the best i wish i could support people like that a bit more but um uh you know i'll do what i can yeah yeah well
1: he's still wearing your hoodies because um i watched one of his videos a few days ago and it was one of his latest videos and he's still wearing your broken riders hoodie so
0: yeah yeah. i mean i think i think he likes a product he likes a brand um yeah good
1: stuff good stuff brilliant well we'll get into that in a wee bit um and how that all came about and everything interesting very interesting now so what's your background in mountain biking personally
0: um well i've just mountain bikes for for pleasure and to keep fit really since uh, i got into it uh, through a friend of mine in about um 2000 uh i'm quite an old uh, quite an old bloke i'm, I'm 50 this year and uh, so i've been mountain biking for a fair bit and seen quite a few changes um, but i've always been into cycling as a kid i did uh, bmx um uh for fun you know kind of uh you know slamming myself into the concrete uh mm-hmm. but my dad was a roadie my dad was uh into road bikes so um he got me into um riding on the road and um we used to go because I, I grew up in yorkshire and uh we used to go up in the pennines together and and, and ride a bit together um so i've always had an interest in bikes mm-hmm. uh it's kind of wavered from time to time but uh yeah, about 2000 was when I first uh, got into it. I got my first mountain bike in about 2001. My um, my wife actually bought me the, my first mountain bike, which was a Marin Hawk Hill. Uh, she said I was getting fat and lazy, so she bought, <laughs> a mountain, <laughs> she bought me a mountain bike. We, she bought one for her as well, and um, I think she's ridden us. It's still in the shed, actually. She's ridden it about five or six times, mm-hmm. and uh, I just ran mine into the ground. I loved it so much. I couldn't get enough of it, and uh, I've been hooked ever since.
1: Cool. Well, at least you didn't buy a gym membership. That would have been worse.
0: Oh, I'd, I'd look like um, like The Rock by now, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Tom, fill us in um, on your local trails there. What's that whole network like?
0: Well, you know, in Brighton, I mean, there's a lot of mountain bikers in Brighton, but there's there's not really a kind of cohesive scene as such as there are in other parts of the world um there's a lot of people riding there's various places to ride um we suffer a little bit in on the south downs because um it's chalk so uh it gets really slippy and and claggy in the winter so it's not the best for riding um what i tend to do um is um i go over uh every week to a place called uh bedgebury forest which is um out towards um, tunbridge wells in kent and um they kind of graded trails there it's a bit more cross-country but it it means I can get out for a ride every week, regardless of what the weather's like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the summer, you know, um, the South Downs are f- fantastic. It's fast, it's flowy. They're not, they're all the natural trails as well. They're not, um, there's hardly any built stuff apart yeah. from the Stammer Woods and Wild Park. Um, and the, it's really short, but there's lots of up, severe uphills that make you cry um, and some wonderful downhills. And then also... Uh, about 40 minute drive away uh, we've got surrey hills the famous surrey hills which is um, you know where people like um, brendan fairclough ride and there's some uh, incredible trails up there you could um, you could ride for three days really and and um, and you know not ride the same trails yeah again it's not particularly high but uh, there's just tons of stuff to go at
1: yeah cool and what's what's the scene like out around there is there many guys biking and stuff
0: um i mean well surrey hills is really popular because it kind of draws people from uh london and the whole southeast yeah um uh brighton um you know it gets popular as the weather gets better uh it's been maybe a bit sparse um during the winter uh bedbury's always busy especially at, at the weekend you get a lot of families going there i tend to ride kind of um in the evening really um miss all the crowds mm-hmm. um some great bike shops as well in and around Brighton. Uh, give my friends a plug, Rhythm and Bikes, they've just started off this, this week, it was their first week in business. Oh, cool! Uh, but there's some other good ones like uh Raymond Cycles, um, they've been going for a long time, they've been a specialized dealer for things where that's where I got my first bike from actually. So, they've been, they've been around for, for many many years. Um, and generally, you know, people are friendly. Uh, for the southeast, <laughs> <laughs> and if you see him on a mountain bike, and people stop and chat and, and stuff. And um, I think we kind of we could do with a with a, a more cohesive scene. Um, uh, you know, we have a, a big uh, bike brand in this area, Movelo, uh, mm-hmm. but um, it'd be great to get together some of the brands and um, and try and build some kind of bike park in Brighton, but it'd be in the southeast you know land is um is a precious commodity and uh uh it's expensive but um, i hear there are plans uh to build some more legitimate trails because everything's illegally built uh legi- legitimate trails in um in stanmore park um so that'd be great if we can get that going
1: yeah no that would be good and it may enter just a few more people to it and things like that you would never know
0: yeah, I mean Brighton's quite a Brighton, the city where I live is, you know, it's quite um, um, a city that's um, uh, promotes sports and healthy living, healthy life, lifestyle, and um, uh, you know, we've got a fantastic skate park right in the centre of town, and um, we could do a pump track. That'd be that'd be something yeah. awesome. I've been around Brighton the pump tracks. I think pump tracks are great because they introduce. Uh, Lots of kids to to cycling and and you know the fundamental techniques of of, of mountain biking that kind of pump and jump kind of thing. Um, but I guess it's just kind of finding the land to to build one.
1: Yeah, that would be the difficult thing out around that area for sure. Definitely. Do, do you have many friends that you ride with, Tom, or is, do you go out in your own most, mostly? Or
0: It's a mixture, really. I mean, the Wednesday night crew are some people from uh, from uh, from where my day job is. Um, I kind of get a, a motley bunch out there. So can range between two to, to seven or eight people. Um, and then I've got um, friends in Brighton that I ride with occasionally, not as much as I'd like. Um, a lot of my rides, because uh, I'm kind of busy and, and got family, a lot of them are kind of early morning rides, uh, by myself upon the South Downs, especially in the summer. You know, there's nothing better really than getting up early and heading out and you get the trails to yourself and um and you know kinda of whiz around on a sort of ten, twelve mile loop, uh, catch a catch the day before it gets too hot. Yeah, it's a nice really start off, eh? Definitely. Yeah. Occasionally as well, you know, we'll I'll get a bunch of uh fellows together and we'll um head down to to South Wales to either bike park Wales or uh, one of my favourite places as uh, Afan, you know, all the all the trails around there. I've been going there since what since two thousand and four, I think. So I've been going there a long time and I, I love that place a bit. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful mix of natural and, and man made trails and um, some great great views, great scenery, really friendly people.
1: Awesome. Sounds great, sounds great. Well, Brilliant, now so let's let's chat a wee bit about your brand, Broken riders and how that all started and stuff like that so tell us a little bit about broken riders and what it is you actually do
0: okay so uh, well uh, broken riders is a um i guess you call it a brand for every man you know unlike a lot of um sports brands uh, apparel brands um we don't focus on athletes or you know guys that are winning races and stuff i'd, I'd rather focus on People who are like me, just your average rider, people that fall off a lot, but they have this passion for mountain biking that means, you know, even though they fall off and they hurt themselves, they're going to get back on and they're going to carry on learning and carry on riding. And um, and the the logo actually is the, you know, the kind of devil's horn hand symbol that a lot of the kind of extreme dudes do. It's that, but with <laughs> broken little finger. So it's, yeah, I love it. I guess it's a little bit ironic and a little bit, you know, I like to sort of, um, I don't like to take myself too seriously, and uh, and it's good to poke fun at, oh, um, uh, well, it's good to poke fun at anything, isn't it, really? But um, uh, I, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously in life, so it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of a brand with a bit of a bit of humour
1: attached. Yeah, it's, to cool. it's cool, I really like that, and and the brand didn't start like a normal brand or a normal business uh, can you tell us how and when you kind of got the idea for broken riders
0: yeah i um I had a bad accident in uh, 2009 um i was riding on the south downs and um i um rode a trail i've been riding for for years and um lost the back end of my bike and went to put my foot down and my uh my foot got caught in a in a rut and it just basically just snapped my ankle. Oh man! Uh, and uh, I kind of tried to. Uh, <laughs> I said to myself, when oh, the pain subsided a bit, I said, "Oh, I've just spray my ankle." And looked down, and I kind saw my foot wobbling oh, uh, the wrong way. So it was a pretty bad bad break. So I was laid up in. Uh, had an operation, had it all fixed, and everything. It all went really well. And um, but I kind of spent quite a lot of time not able to do much. Um. And um, I was sat on the couch feeling really sort of dejected watching mountain bike videos. And I think, you know, there's got to be more people like me that hurt themselves on a regular basis, but are not going to give up mountain biking, even though, you know, they're not spectacular professional athletes, um, but they just have this kind of love to get out on a bike and explore some trails. And and I, I'm a graphic designer, but that's my uh, profession. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I can combine the two and, you know, maybe... Um, just do some t-shirts initially and so I, I came up with the idea for the logo and i uh, did some t-shirts just for mates and everyone was saying oh this is fantastic it's fantastic you should start your own company and i was like nah i can't do that i can't do that i don't have the time Don't have the money so we kind of ambled along and then um for a few years and i just kind of did occasional t-shirts and then in 2013 i, I um uh, i lost my job I got made redundant. Uh, The company I worked for got uh, taken over. and I got surplus to requirements. But I got – I've been working there for 13 years, so I got a bit of redundancy money and I got a bit of time. took a bit of time out. I'd been doing the commuting to London thing for 13 years and uh, didn't realize kind of how knackered I was.
1: Yeah,
0: certainly. And uh, so I took uh, six months off. And I thought, well, you know, I need to remain creative. So why don't I just start this business? I've got a bit of spare cash. I'll put some money into it, see how it goes. So I I got uh, three designs of T-shirts together, um, and I bought a little sort of mini um, pop-up, like a uh, three-by-three pop-up tent, and um, and I did a couple of events, and the response was staggering, Mm. Um, and and it went from there, really.
1: Yeah, so awesome. So that's how you kind of validated your idea. Almost, you kind of went to events and you'd done minimum runs, I suppose, and and seeing if it was going to work that way.
0: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I found a, a really good screen printer who was uh, who was quite um, uh, open to doing small runs, so I could start almost like kind of getting samples together and and seeing how it worked and if it responded well, then i could get a bigger run done and if not i could just i could just um you know not just sideline that that particular design it's typical kind of um uh on what they call entrepreneur hack you know where you kind of Mm. uh you know you, you do something and and you see what the response is and then you learn from that and then decide on your on your plan of action going forward
1: yeah very cool uh now you had no experience in the clothing or fashion industry before starting broken
0: riders did you no, I mean, my, my previous job, the one that I, I worked in London, was a defence uh, engineering company, and I did marketing and graphic design for them. So, yeah, I mean, um, obviously graphic design i got experience in, mm-hmm. um, but nothing in in terms of, of fashion. Um, no. Nah. So it was completely uh, – I understood screen printing because we didn't mm-hmm. screen printing before, so I kind of knew how the process worked of getting your design onto T-shirts and what was possible, what wasn't possible. But uh definitely no idea about, you know, minimum runs and, and purchasing and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's definitely been kinda of learning on the job.
1: Yeah, yeah. And is it still a part time kind of side hike for
0: you at the minute, Tom? Yeah, unfortunately. Um it's 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 really close at the minute. Um, although the last few months have not been particularly good. I think um I don't know whether Brexit's starting to have an effect, you know, people's kinda of trepidations about spending money. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's growing every year. I mean, it's growing like 10% every year, but because my growth is organic and, and I've not had a large amount of investment, the growth's really slow. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, it's getting to the point where I'm really busy with my day job and I'm also really busy with broken riders, shipping orders and going to events and stuff. And, and that's fantastic. And I would dearly, dearly love it to um, to become full-time because you know mountain biking is my passion. And, yeah. um, And doing Broken Riders is also my passion. And, um, yeah, and we'll get onto some of the kind of environmental things in a bit, which are also my passion.
1: Yeah, cool. But you're happy with how it's going so far and how it's been received, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there is no greater buzz than seeing someone at an event wearing one of your designs, one of your your T-shirts or a hoodie. Uh, You know, it never fails to make my heart flutter a little bit and, and make my chest puff out. Um, and I've noticed <laughs> I've noticed you know more and more as I go to events there are more and more people wearing um, the, the Broken Riders designs and that in itself is a validation that what I'm doing is is the right thing and people are and I get people coming up and paying me compliments and um, you know it, it's really wonderful and then I, what it does do as well um, having more people at events wearing my stuff it gives me an opportunity to talk to them about kind of what things they're into and what they think about tell a bit more about the brand and try and get them a bit more involved
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no it's it's awesome to see that isn't it it's a real i used to be in a band back in the day i'll not say how long ago Mm -hmm. but the first time i seen a guy walking down who i didn't know who i didn't recognize walking down the street with one of our band t-shirts on it was it was really weird or something. I don't know. Yeah. It just felt so strange.
0: Not yeah. so exciting. I had an experience on, I was sat on Brighton Beach not long after I'd started. And uh, it was like a few, a few weeks after I'd started and I saw this guy uh, on the beach wearing one of the Broken Rider's t-shirts. I was like, wow, he's, I'm going to have to go and talk to him, I'm going to have to go and talk to him, see where he, how he got the t-shirt.
1: Yeah
0: and i uh, went up to him and i uh, said mate i love your t-shirt broken riders you know what do you think he went, oh i love it it's fantastic i said where do you get it from i said oh my mate gave it me <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i looked over and it was somebody i knew that i'd given a t-shirt to <laughs> All right, okay he didn't like it so he'd given it to his mate
1: oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, oh well, oh well. At least he was wearing it, you know, he loved it. So we yeah, could tell everybody else it was good, eh?
0: Exactly, exactly. And I find that, uh, you know, word-of-mouth marketing, people's um, word-of-mouth recommendation is worth its weight in gold. You know, you can do all the kind of social media, email newsletters you want, but nothing beats someone saying to someone else, oh, Broken Minders, what a fantastic brand.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, so... You told us a wee bit about who the products are aimed at and stuff like that, but did you ever think about competition when you went into it, about all the major, you know, mountain biking clothing brands? Did you ever feel that you would have to compete against them to be successful or anything?
0: Um, well, you know, initially, yes, I did. I think I, I, I did a range of um, uh, riding jerseys made from recycled polyester, mm-hmm. and I was looking at kind of other. Other businesses that were doing that, you know, brands like Fox, uh, Royal Racing, um, Toy Lee. And I quite quickly realized that if I carried on down that path, I'd be bankrupt within two months.
1: Yeah.
0: There, I can't compete with on that kind of scale with the, um, you know, the minimum orders is just too big for me. Um, you know, and I would love to produce gloves, protection, riding jerseys, shorts, all that kind of thing. I mean, I think. Uh, having my background in, in graphics and I've also got a degree in product design as well. Right. Uh, to bring in that to the table, I, I look at products and I could see improvements that I could make, but financially it's just, um, it's just tricky at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, you, it needs a lot of in, initial uh, capital investment to get to that point where you can produce, you know, your bespoke shorts or your bespoke protection. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, competition. Um, So what I decided was, well, you know, why try to compete? Why don't you just kind of look at other areas of mountain biking where there's maybe not so much competition? What I saw was there's not so many brands kind of catering for kind of off the bike, you know, Um, although some of our products are um, like wicking T-shirts, like the bamboo stuff, uh, wicks really well and merino socks uh, wick really well. I decided to concentrate a bit more on kind of mountain biking lifestyle. So this idea about telling everyone in the pub that you're a mountain biker um, and that you're a broken rider. (laughs) So that's kind of where it's gone, really. You know, more kind of apparel and um, and more kind of like soft stuff, soft goods than than technical mountain riding wear, although I would dearly love to do that in the future.
1: Yeah, so kind of pre-mountain bike stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah
1: cool no well, that's good that that's cool um and uh yeah and i want to chat to you about the ethnically sourced stuff um so when you decided to purchase your clothing what made you go down the ethnically sourced route
0: well um i don't know if you remember but back in 2013 just before i started um there was a a, a massive disaster in bangladesh where a factory collapsed and a thousand people that were killed yeah yeah and they were all kind of uh people working for next to nothing producing clothes basically for people i don't know what companies are producing them for but and that really kind of struck a chord with me and i thought this is not right you know there's got to be ways of surely of manufacturing clothes without putting so many people's lives in danger and giving people a, a fair deal and uh, and I'm, i've always been uh interested in the environment and 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 kind of trying to look after the environment. I mean, you know, it's our playground. We get the most fun from the planet. Uh, we ought to really look after it. So kind of combining those two ideas together, I, I looked online, did quite a lot of research, and I found this organization called Fairware. And you're probably aware of Fairware, right, being in the with your past um, uh, jobs and stuff. And basically they're uh, an organization that will accredit uh, and um, and certify various clothing manufacturers uh, that everyone in the in the supply chain gets a fair deal, no sweatshops are used, no child labors used. And that to me really struck a chord and I thought well I'm going to go out and find suppliers that subscribe to this fairware organization and where you know where I can I'm going to choose the most ethically sound, um suppliers i possibly can because it's it's only right you know we should people shouldn't have to suffer for our enjoyment our clothing um and and conversely as well you know the the planet shouldn't have to suffer for for our clothing there are Mm -hmm. so many ethical and environmentally friendly ways to do stuff especially now as well the last five or six years there's been a massive shift change um so yeah so ethically sourced has always been quite important to me there are some products I, I can't get um but i i do try my best and if if i can get them and they're and they're completely ethical and i can get certification then I, that's what i'll do
1: mm-hmm, yeah and and fairware do they put you in contact with manufacturers or you know can they help you source stuff is that what they do
0: yeah, absolutely. If you contact them, but also on their website, they've just got a list of all the um, all their accredited businesses that they'll, they'll deal with. Uh, and one of the one of the companies I found was a company called Continental, or a UK company, hmm. and uh, I found their website and got in touch with them. And um, they're really on the ball um, with um, ethical sourcing, and and you know the most important thing is that. Lots of people say that they're ethical and environmentally friendly, but it's accreditation that uh, you need to look out for, and they are fully accredited with Fairwear.
1: Yeah. And is Fairwear, are they UK based or?
0: I think they're based in the Netherlands.
1: Right. Oh, cool. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. That's but, grand. Um, now, tell us a wee bit about the cotton and stuff used in your t shirts then. Do you go through something called Earth Positive or something like that?
0: So Earth Positive is um, is continental clothings. It's one of their three brands that they have. Right. Uh, and the thing about Earth Positive is anything made under the Earth Positive Earth Positive label, um, and it, I think it applies to their hundred percent cotton garments. Mm-hmm. It's all organic. Uh, it's all fully traceable, so they know exactly where each each bit of cotton's come, which far, farm it's come from. Uh, it's made in India. Um, All the the cotton's grown in India, but it's also um, made. All the T-shirts, all the yarn is made in a factory in India. And the best thing about it is that the um, the factory is completely off the grid. It's um, powered by wind and solar power. Mm. So the way Fairwear pitch it is really cool. They say it's a climate neutral T-shirt. Although you know, obviously, it's got transportation impacts on the environment, but actually, the manufacturer manufacturer of it is is um it's climate neutral you know it's wind and solar power it's not using any uh, fossil fuels to to make the garment and like i say all the all the cotton is organic so there's no pesticides or fertilizers um uh, non-organic pesticides or fertilizers used to grow it and also they have um they have a uh, full kind of um, oversight over the over the picking of the cotton. And, and obviously, because it's fairware accredited as well, you know that there's been no kind of slave labour used to pick the cotton and everyone, all the growers get a fair deal. It's a bit like kind of, um, you know, you get a fair trade for coffee and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like that, but for, for – well, it's very similar to that, but for clothing.
1: Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, you know, because I, I think we – here in the western world don't really pay the true price for anything you know like you shouldn't be able to buy a three pack of t-shirts for a fiver you know (laughs) somebody somewhere is losing big time in that deal you know and it's just not right so i would prefer to pay a wee bit more for something that is ethnically sourced the way you're doing it now where i'm kind of leading off this is and I think and you can tell me if you agree or not but a lot of the brands today this would be the wrong way to go for them as far as profits go because I'm sure the stuff is more expensive for you um, to purchase and to get and so you're obviously your profit margin is less do you think that was super important for you? And are you willing to take less of a profit margin to do the thing correct?
0: For me, it was one of the primary reasons. Um, it's one of the primary um, codes by which broken riders exist, mm. um, you know, to be ethically sourcing stuff and to be environmentally responsible. Um, yes, it does take a hit on, on profit, but it's pence. You know, and these bigger companies who've got... <clears throat> You know budgets and, and 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 profit margins that are far outstripping mine by multiples of hundreds and maybe even hundreds of thousands. You know, hmm. that I think I think there's a responsibility we all have. And and so what if if profits take a slight hit? I think long term, you know, if there's no planet left and. uh Then we all suffer, don't we? So, no one's been made profit if there's if there's nowhere to mountain bike because the weather's too inclement, or or all the trails have degraded so much, or there's no forest left. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's all our responsibility to to look at what we're buying, um, to look at how we're making things, to look at how we can uh, recycle them. Um, A good example actually is um, is polyester. So polyester is used in a whole range of, of uh, synthetic clothing. You know, all mountain bike jerseys—they're made from polyester. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's enough polyester in the world already that if we recycled it, then we wouldn't need to make any more polyester. And polyester uses fossil fuel to make it, so, and it, it doesn't biodegrade. So if you—and a lot of it gets chucked into landfill when it's no good anymore—and that's that's never go, that's always going to be there. You know, it's never going to biodegrade. Yeah um so i i really think we've got a responsibility and and if if i lose a couple of pounds in profit so what and if you notice actually my prices are not particularly exorbitant they're not much different to any other brands in yeah. terms of the t-shirt prices and and the hoodie prices but you know i can sleep sound at night knowing that i'm, I'm trying to do my bit
1: yeah well fair play i think that's amazing to go that way and um I think you know for somebody like me i would certainly support your brand because you do that um and that's the way you look upon it and i think with the bigger brands that have shareholders and everything else shareholders really only look at profits two or three or four years down the line so they don't even look at environmental issues, I don't think. You know, they're going to make a buck over the next three or four years and then they're going to get out and reinvest somewhere else or do, do something like that. So I think with you being the owner and the founder and a one-man band to a certain extent, you you can do that for now. And I, I think that's that's really important. And I hope people appreciate that with your brand.
0: I'm probably guilty of not telling people enough. Because yeah. to me it's kind of second nature, so I probably don't see it as a as a big enough USP to try and tell people. And also as well, I don't want to come across as as preaching to people. Um, you know, I'd like. I think that the best way to convert people is for them to find out themselves. Mm. Uh, so I'll suggest it, but I don't want to be ramming stuff down their throat because then that just turns people off the idea, and uh, and uh, then they're lost. Um, one of the things that will bring about change is legislation. So, uh, in my day job, um, I work in the outdoors industry, and we've seen a, a shift change over the last five years where um, governments, particularly Scandinavian governments and, and in Europe, um, they're now pushing legislation to make sure that outdoor and fashion businesses conform to certain environmental um, uh, legislation. And you're going to see um, in the next few years uh, a lot more brands that take recycling seriously, take the whole supply chain seriously. Um, you know, the, there will be the abolition of, of, of dyes uh, being pumped into into rivers. Yeah. So, I mean, for instance, denim. You know, denim is a is a massive environmental hazard. All the a lot of the dye because it's all made in, in a place like India and Pakistan, mm-hmm. Vietnam. All the excess dye just gets pumped straight into the rivers and it's just just killing the planet around there. So what's actually happening is that um, brands are now investing in their suppliers and helping them to clean up their operation because they know that long-term, if they don't, that's going to come back on them and consumers just aren't going to buy from them because consumers are getting wise to the environmental message. And they're starting to now choose the more environmentally responsible brands, such as, you know, like Patagonia. who have done a, mm-hmm. of, um, yeah. a lot of um, activity uh, since they started to kind of look after the environment. And so I think brands, as well as having a responsibility, I think you'll find that they don't have a choice in the future. They're going to have to be more environmentally aware.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a shift because... I was actually reading a thing about Levi's, and you know talking about denim there, and they have committed. I think it's two thousand and twenty or twenty one, maybe they have committed to make their denims out of one hundred percent recycled wore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm not sure of the process. I can't really talk about it, to be honest. But I'm not really that sure of the process. But I know they're they're making a big shift to get away from dyes and the way they use dyes and everything else, you know, so for Levi to step out and do that, who's probably the biggest denim manufacturer on the planet, it's a pretty big step.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of other big brands as well. H and M they're really uh, environmentally focused. They're, they're really into it. Um, Adidas, I think the biggest sports brand I know that have really made a commitment to um, sustainability and, um, and environmental protection um so i mean you would expect um you know you expect outdoor brands you know uh, all the big outdoor brands to already subscribe to this but they they haven't mm. and it really shocked me to to learn that um brands who make their living from uh being their customers being able to go out and enjoy the environment and you know they portray themselves as uh showcasing um mm-hmm all this access to the environment, all the wonderful mountains and, and the forests and stuff, you know, how many brands are really environmentally badly run? And um, yeah, but they're going to be forced to, 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 tidy up their operations pretty soon.
1: Yeah. Well, that, that's great. And I follow a brand called outer known.
0: Uh-huh, I don't know them. Uh-
1: yeah, it was set up by Kelly Slater who's eleven okay. times Surfer. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So he's like eleven times world champion. He's mega, he's he's the Tony Hawk of, you know, the Surf World kind of thing. Um but he set up his own brand. He was sponsored by Quicksilver for his whole career. Um I think Kelly Slater's forty six or forty seven now, so he's been at it a long time. Um he started his own brand, Outer No One, and they make the majority of their clothing from um, recycled fishing nets mm.
0: actually you know, have, I've heard of it now now you've explained yeah I remember reading about it
1: yeah and they have went so environmentally friendly now when you buy a t-shirt of them it's 40 quid when you buy a shirt it's 100 quid um, but that's the real price yeah. of stuff you know um, and it's, it's really interesting that he's stepped you know Because it's like you say, you know, we're using the forests, we're using the environment for fun. And he has seen that over the years where he's obviously surfing in a lot of third world countries and stuff, you know, and the kids around there and the people around there have nothing. Um, So he's seen that and fair play to him. He's given back, you know, he's now given back to them and to them communities and and that environment. Um, So I want, I really would love to see more brands going that way.
0: I think as well, there's, I'd like to see um, a shift towards kind of products being created for longevity. So we buy mm. less, but we use it more. Yeah. Right uh, I mean, Patagonia, one of my favorite brands, and they, are, they have a brilliant thing where they um, toured the US and they got people to bring along their uh, their uh, broken Patagonia garments. And they patch them up mm-hmm. free in return for the owners of the garment, telling them a story about the garment, you know, where they've been in it, what and yeah. in it and um you know they got a massive pr story out of it uh it's wonderful brand stories out of it but customers also kind of got free repairs on the gear yeah and it's it, you know I, I don't know i'd just love to see more more of that kind of thing happening so let's get rid of Primark. you know where you buy a t-shirt you wear it twice and then it's it's yeah. been
1: threw away fashion
0: yeah absolutely and mm. um I know the initial outlays a lot more but if you think that garment then lasts you twice as long or three times as long then it kind of equates to spending less money over a longer period of time
1: yeah yep yeah, certainly and that's what I have been trying to do for the last 10 years I would say is buy better quality but buy less you know um, and I think that's the way we, we need to go and Patagonia is really cool I, I read a couple of books about Patagonia And, you know, their business model is so different because they were saying when something tears, repair it. Yeah. Don't don't throw it away and buy a new Patagonia top, repair it. And then if you don't like it anymore or you grow out of it or whatever, give it to somebody else to use or to wear. Yeah. You know, so they're they're more or less their business ethos is completely different to what you would be taught at business school. You know, sell as much as you can, you know, that kind of thing. They're saying, no, don't buy another top office. Why don't you just repair the one you have? You know, which is amazing.
0: It's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because while it's great, you attract the right consumers that you want to attract. But then you kind of you you wonder kind of how they managed to grow. But they still (laughs) seem they still seem to grow. Um, I mean, as 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 a business, we all want more and more customers. Um, but then it is it's is quite challenging because you don't want to just promote overt consumerism at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, there's been a few brands that have been an influence on me. Patagonia, definitely. Um, uh, Howie's, you know, the Howie's story mm-hmm. is, is one that I find really exciting and interesting. Um, Finisterre, a good British surf brand. Yeah. Uh, I love yeah. what they're doing. You know, they're very environmentally focused. I love the way that they've created this They've almost created a niche within surfing, which is the cold water surfing, and they've latched onto that as being, you know their thing. That's what they're mm-hmm. primarily focused on. In the same way that broken riders, um, rather than focused on kind of uh, mountain biking as an overt sport, which most brands seem to do where everything's about racing and, and the fastest, I've tried to kind of carve out a little niche that's more about having fun, making mistakes, having a laugh. Mm-hmm. you know when i go riding i in fact i've stopped using strava because i don't want to be the fastest around the trail i just want to have the most fun and, and ride the most stylishly and i found using strava i was just kind of oh gotta beat my time gotta beat my time gotta beat my time
1: <laughs> yeah i think it i think that's that's very very important is to have fun with it you know and like that's one of the questions i, I wanted to ask you and feedback i'm getting on the podcast is you know, the majority of people do it to get out in nature, be more social, be out with a few friends, meet new people and have fun. Like, has mountain biking changed your life for the good? Um.
0: Well, before I started mountain biking, I'd never been to hospital. I'd never broken any bones, never had any stitches. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just uh-huh. quite radically. Um, yeah. But you know, it's given me a, a big appreciation of nature. You know, I've ridden in the dark in the middle of winter by myself in forests, in snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've watched the sun come up over, over the Alps. Um, uh, I've ridden torrential rain. And what it, yeah, it's given me a real, really strong appreciation of nature. And um, it's given me an awareness of, of myself. And, um, you know, it, it stopped me from drinking so much uh got me interested in healthy living it's given me environmental awareness so it has really has really changed my life
1: yeah it's cool uh, it's cool and i think a lot of the lifestyle sports are like that you kind of i'm not saying that the sport changes your direction in life but it definitely makes you appreciate different things that you maybe wouldn't have had if you hadn't got involved in that sport or that industry
0: yeah i mean um I guess it's all about finding a belonging, isn't it? Mm. You know, um, it's why kids join gangs, I guess. And yeah. They join gangs of mountain bikers or, or, you know, kids riding bikes on the streets than just hanging outside a chip shop and smoking fags. Yeah,
1: very true. No, it's great. Well, it's great that it can do that. It can do that for us. Now, let's get back to Broken Riders a wee bit more. Um, I don't want to- uh, bore people with the environmental <laughs> sense <of> it, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so when you initially invested a wee bit of money and in, into your stock and into purchase your stock, was that a scary time for you?
0: Uh, it was a bit scary in that I I I, I was thinking, what happens if I don't make any sales? Have I just kind of spanked all that money on nothing when I could have bought myself a new bike? Mm -hmm. or I could have gone away on holiday, or I could have taken the family away on holiday. So it's a a little bit of trepidation there, but I kind of had a gut feeling that, um, you know, the the designs I'd done were were good. And um, Mm -hmm. so I was reasonably confident that they were going to sell. I didn't know how I was going to sell them or how long it would take to sell them. Um, I guess the biggest thing was I just wanted to get it right so that time between parting or sending the order off to the screen printer and um and getting the the first run back that was probably the most nerve-wracking time i was thinking you know have i done the artwork right is it going to look exactly as i envisaged it mm-hmm. um i'd had sample t-shirts um so i'd had samples of the prints i had samples of the actual garments themselves and they look great mm-hmm. but it's like can that be replicated on a, on a larger scale
1: yeah, and were you using the environmental guys at this stage?
0: Yeah, I use a brilliant company in uh, in Bingley in Yorkshire called Fingerprints Co-op, and uh, they've been w- with me since I started, and they're absolutely fantastic. They're one of the few um, businesses in in screen printing businesses in the UK that focus solely on water based inks, and uh, like me, you know, they're very interested in the environment and um, and trying to minimise impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're fantastic, and I got a really good relationship with them. And I can't—if um, anyone wants any screen printing, doing I can definitely recommend Fingerprints Co-op. Yeah,
1: because a lot of the screen prints have plastic and in the inks, isn't that right?
0: Yeah, plastisol, and you know, plastisol is really nasty, and um, and it all gets washed into the into the water table, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know that it's just plastic in the, in the water table. Then you know, like microplastics. Yeah, I know that's a relatively new thing, but it's been going on for a long time. Whereas the water-based inks, um, you can wash those into the water table and they're completely uh, uh, made from uh, natural materials. So they completely biodegrade. And also one of the good things is uh, all the plastic-based inks, they require heat to um, cure. Whereas the water-based inks, uh, they're just air drying. Uh, So once they're dry, they're dry. Um, They don't run, they don't fade. Uh, I had a a guy come up to me when I was at um, Petey's Big Bike Bonanza last year. And he bought one of the first ever T-shirts I'd done, and, and it still looked like brand new. Yeah, cool. Print was still there, so yeah, all good.
1: Cool. So you source your garments, your blank tees from Continental in the UK, um, and then you get them screen printed off of a local screen printer, which is also ethnically um, dyes are used ethnically as well. So it's it's an ethnical brand from start to finish, really
0: yeah i mean it has to be really it has to be and and like i keep saying you know um the the earth is our playground it's where we get our pleasure from and we ride in the woods we ride on mountains you know if if climate change makes it impossible to do that then we're all going to be pretty miserable i don't want to sit in my garage and just do swift mountain biking every day yeah you know, that's no fun at all is it no, no. and <laughs> and you know if it, if if and environmental um changes mean that the weather's too bad to go out riding most days or if um you know trees are decimated or if we've got landslips on mountain sides uh then we're all gonna be pretty unhappy aren't we so i, I figure it's our responsibility there you go back yeah back on the environment again
1: yeah 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 <laughs> we'll get off that now let's talk about your website <laughs> uh your website is really cool. I really like it. Is, did you design that yourself?
0: Kind of, uh, although um, it is ready for a revamp. It's been around for a while. And it's it's getting ready for a revamp now. Um, I mm-hmm. use a back end called Shopify, which is an amazing product. Mm-hmm. Basically, rent the back end, and then you just fill in the gaps with your images and your and your copy. So it's a really easy system to use. If anyone's uh, out there is a entrepreneur and a startup, and they want to simple cost effective way to start an e-commerce business um shopify is the way to go for me because it's um so easy to get going with and um and the support's amazing um and yeah they like the screen printer they've been a really big help for me in getting going
1: Mm, cool and do they just take like a monthly fee off you for using their platform
0: yeah you just rent the platform so i think it Mm -hmm. um it depends on i think there's about five or six tiers you can you can sign up for uh, at the moment mine's i think it's eighty uh, 80 a month which is um you know it's it's more than manageable mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. no very very good and your website's got a blog and stuff on there as well um a news section why did you decide to
0: include that is that
1: not a bit difficult for upkeep and stuff
0: it's massively difficult for upkeep and i don't buy yeah. enough blogs um i guess uh you know writing is a good way of um telling people about what you what you care about uh what your thoughts are and for me if you've got a, a brand you know you you want people to connect with the brand and and connect with the people that, that are within it and i think one of the best ways is writing and sharing your thoughts and sharing your feelings and uh as well as kind of updating people like news and all that kind of stuff and one of the things i'm really uh big on is social media i know issues with facebook just recently but i like uh see myself as a sort of curator of content so I do share a lot of other people's content on Facebook and Instagram Um, but I like to think it's kind of good content and content that people that follow me would really like and enjoy I try and kind of add a bit of a broken rider's message to the front of it and similarly with the with the with a blog um, you know issues that concern me I'd like to write about and have a bit of fun as well but unfortunately I, I just don't get enough time to to do that on a, on a regular basis uh, although I dearly love to and that's one of the things I need to improve on
1: yeah because I, I want to I want to talk to you about the time issue because it is something that would be very time-consuming like how do you find the time between between work and full-time you have a young family there to design a new product to answer and customer emails all that kind of stuff takes time is it is it all consuming? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, I have a I have a a full time job for um, five days a week. So for three days a week, I work for a company called Nickwax, who make a uh, uh, waterproofing and cleaning products for outdoor gear. Um, and um, two days a week, I have a um, design and marketing consultancy business. So I work from home. And then in the evenings. Uh, While well, my wife watches TV or reads, I tend to do Broken Riders social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then very often I find myself working weekends and, and into the late evenings doing uh, Broken Riders shipping, social media, updating the website, trying to think of new designs. Um, yeah, I lead quite an active life and I obviously need to get out and, and ride and also spend some time with the kids. So, yeah, there's never, never a quiet moment in our house
1: yeah it is and i think you know it's like the podcast here i don't think people understand you know we're we're chatting here for an hour but to get this podcast to this episode to where people can listen to it it takes probably about nine or ten hours of work and you wouldn't think that and i'm you know and that's me just doing a podcast and i'm just thinking for yourself running a brand which is which is successful like how how many hours a week would you spend on Broken Riders? Would you know?
0: Uh, it, it will vary dramatically, I guess, depending on what's going on. But um, anywhere between ten to twenty hours a week. Yeah. And it's, so it's full time, full time, part time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm probably doing like 60, 70 hours a week of work. Mm. Um. But. Having said that, I'm not complaining. You know, I wouldn't have any other way. I, it's it's so enjoyable uh, designing stuff and and being on social media and seeing people's reactions and then getting out there to events at the weekend and seeing people wearing broken riders gear and the compliments they get back and and every time the I have a little app on my phone, the Shopify app, and it makes a a kaching noise every time I get an order. And every time that little kaching noise goes it does something inside me and i think somebody else actually really likes what i do enough to buy it and that you know gives me a real buzz and so that kind of spurs spurs you on a bit as well and yeah and my kids think it's really cool that i uh, that their dad runs a mountain bike brand and uh, we did some special t-shirts for them with broken riders logos on and they kind of quite happily wear that in front of their school friends and go oh this is my dad's brand
1: <laughs> so, yeah brilliant brilliant so let's chat a wee bit about how people can buy the product then is is your brand only available from your online store or have you went down the retail side of things
0: um i tried the retail side of things um I, I approached loads of bike shops i mean uh bike shops traditionally they're quite small um a lot of them came back and said i'm sorry we don't we don't have the room or we just want to deal with brands who we know are going to sell. We don't want to take a risk on an unknown brand, which is, which is fair enough. And then the few bike shops that I did manage to get my, um, uh, gear into, um, the turnover was so slow that they'd, you know, they got t-shirts still up for sale that I, I got rid of, uh, from my range. Um, so that didn't really work. Uh, I tried some of the, uh, larger online retailers like, uh, um, uh what they called um, uh, tweaks cycles,
1: right. and that
0: kind of worked okay for a bit, and then it kind of, you know, I don't think they kind of um, invested too much time in promoting on their website, so that didn't work. And so in the end, I thought, you know what, I'm better off just spending my time focusing on the website and my online sales. And, and so at the moment, that's that's really the only place you can buy broken widers. Uh, that and the and the events that I go to as well.
1: Yeah, and and when you were approaching retailers, did you go into them with the sale or return kind of idea?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Everyone I approached, mm. I said, you know, that no outlay for you. I'll just you start off with just five t-shirts if you want, and um, you know, we we'll get them on your rails and see how they go and see what the response is like. And if you don't sell them, then I'll I'll just take them back off you. But um, uh, no, couldn't get any any interest. I understand. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not moaning. It's it's difficult for for the, for the bike industry anyway, and for for smaller retails. You know, why would they want to crowd up shelf space when they know they can put like a Troy Lee jersey on there that they know is going to sell, or a Fox jersey? It's okay. it's understandable.
1: Yeah, and and the sailor return thing is is a weird thing because you would think there's no outlay for them, but I think at the end of the day, what that actually does is it they have no reason to push your brand because they don't have to buy x amount of it they're not out money you know whereas to sell their own brands like troy lee or fox or whatever you know if they don't sell that they're going to lose money whereas they have no real you know what i'm saying they, they don't need to sell yours because they'll because you'll just come and take it back off them again sure. and
0: it's also a more difficult sell as well i mean you know sales people love the easiest route, don't they? They love the easiest mm. to get a sale. And if you know you can buy this top because loads of other people are buying it and it's going to sell, then why would you want to take a risk on an unknown brand and try and, you know, convince people of a different message and, and, and a different approach? Mm-hmm. So that's understandable.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I want to talk to you as well because I'm not so sure about this if it's big in the UK, but I know it's big in the US um, where you can... Upload your designs to Teespring. Have you ever heard of those yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what made you decide to invest money, hold stock, take that risk rather than going down the the Teespring type of platform where you really have no risk at all?
0: Uh, probably because I'm a control freak. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that the garments I had and, we, and were giving to customers were exactly as I wanted them. And you know, um, I wanted to make sure that the, the the products I was buying were the right garments. I'm not sure some of the Teespring stuff you can get, um, you know, the ethically sourced. Yeah, I don't think. I wanted to be sure that the screen printing inks were water based, and I wanted to I I check all the T-shirts before they go out. And some of my customers will probably tell you that, you know, I've kind of clicked on order sent and then i've noticed at the last minute before i take before i package it up that it's got a, a thread that's not been sewn right and then i've had to kind of email and say sorry i've just noticed this it's not right i don't want to sell it to you because it's substandard uh and in some cases we've even been out of stock and um you know i've kind of given people a free pair of socks as by way of an apology or lots of people have been really generous and they've said oh you know don't worry we'll wait until it comes back into stock but thanks for letting us know that and not sending a, a substandard product. So I think kind of being honest um has helped. Um mm-hmm. but yeah it's a definitely a control thing that I I didn't want to have that area of the business out of my control because I, I couldn't then put hand on heart and say I'm I'm delivering the best product that I can to my customers.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you you design, you answer emails you look after the website you you do quality control (laughs) um and you're not divorced yet so you're doing something right
0: (laughs) i think i was a very understanding wife
1: yeah Uh yeah you need support from family
0: and friends don't you? absolutely without support from family and friends this this couldn't happen you know um Mm -hmm. You know, I go away for various weekends every year. Um, not always to ride my bike, unfortunately, but um, you know, I disappear and, and my wife's really understanding and you know, she knows that it's a big creative outlet as well for me and and she's exactly. actually um she's the person that sews the tabs on the t shirts and the hoodies. So without her help I'd be I'd be really scuppered because um, you know, she she gives it that kind of personal touch, the family touch. So there's a bit of the creation that happens in house, literally in house
1: cool man cool cool well let's talk a wee bit about the future then tom for broken riders I, i'm curious um and i just wanted to ask you because you're in the fashion side of the mountain biking industry now uh do you see any new trends coming through in the near future is there anything we can look forward to
0: what well, from from broken riders or you think generally
1: well just just in general
0: i think i uh, I think the mountain bike industry has been really slow to pick up on the environmental aspect. And I think that you'll see that coming through because of legislation. Um, I mean, color is always an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, your own experience, how it changes from year to year. And because I'm fortunate enough to work in the outdoor industry and, and that has a big impact on coloring. And I get to go to trade shows and see the, um, the color themes that are coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know whether it's going to hit the, hit the mountain bike industry but definitely in the outdoor industry there's a lot of pastel
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well that forks pastels quite nice the and the trek pastels yeah quite nice. yeah it's a lot of oh. pastels
0: coming through i think um yeah. i think one of the trends we'll see as well and i hope this happens is that we'll see a lot more um women getting into mountain biking and so we'll see a lot more um interest in uh in a wider range of women's mountain biking gear and I think because um, women tend to be more adventurous with colour, I think then we'll see that kind of trickle through to the bloke stuff. Because there's far too much black and and blue stuff, isn't there, in in, in mountain biking gear? Um, so I'd like to see I'd like to see that happening. And um, I've tried to uh, develop a, a women's range, but um, I don't know what it is, but I I haven't hit hit the nail on the head yet because it's not selling very well.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I, I, that that side of things is really difficult. And you know, any of the any of the ladies I've had on the podcast, I've tried to ask them about that and about ladies and mountain biking and about the fashion side of things, because it's funny. Like my my fiancee you know, I was at her like, why do, why don't you get a set of bicycles? You know, mountain bike shorts, and she was like, well. You know, I don't really like the female fashion. I don't want to look like a 15 year old boy. Mm. That's, <laughs> you know, that's what she says. And to a certain extent, I can understand that, but I don't know. The brand's just, I don't know what it is, but it's difficult. It's difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look um, on the side of road cycling side of things, you know, you look at what Rafa have done in terms of their, their brand and their gear, they've made it. Uh, road cycling they've they've done really well in taking it away from being a sort of uh, purely kind of sport sort of day glow kind of approach and they've created a slightly more sophisticated um, subtle approach and maybe we'll see that trickling through into mountain biking you know maybe it will become a bit more tailored a bit more subtle in its colouring I mean there's a brand in the US called Kitsbo which was started by um, a guy that used to work for Nike and um and they have that approach it's a bit more kind of tailored a bit more um Mm. subtle approach to coloring um i don't know how they're doing they're still still going in existence then but uh we don't have anything similar in the uk Mm. um i mean if i was kind of um if i had a, a brand that was purely focused on on cut and style then probably i would think that's a great uh avenue to go down for mountain bike gear because i'm sure as we all get older and carry on mountain biking we don't want to look like 14 year old kids anymore yeah, yeah um but by the same, exactly. the same token you know i'm a graphic designer and my stuff's very graphic uh and it doesn't particularly lend itself to to that degree of subtlety i don't think
1: mm, yeah it almost it's almost like it needs somebody come o- to come over from the fashion side of things like the female fashion side of things and just amalgamate that with more technical gear or you know riding gear
0: yeah i mean there are, there are a few kind of um like i think of one um uk uh mountain biking brand that focuses a lot on women and that's flare clothing and i, I think yeah, yeah they seem yeah. to have done okay um and some of their designs are, are very different they're very very bright and bold well, that appeals to some people. I think, that, I guess, the the issue is, you know, people like different stuff, and maybe it's just not a big enough industry to cater for everyone, particularly in the UK.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right there. And and how about Broken Riders then? What have you got planned for the future? Anything different we can expect to see?
0: Well, I'm always searching for new materials, um, and as much as I love cotton, I'd I'd like to move over to. More bamboo, you know, bamboo is a great product. It's more environmentally sustainable than cotton because, as organic as cotton can be, it's still a high-intensity um, product. You know, you don't get a lot of crop for your square meter. Whereas bamboo, I mean, I've got a bamboo plant out in my garden. I can't control it. It just keeps cropping up all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, bamboo is is great. Um, there's products like tensel, which is made from uh, from wood. Um, you know, so there's new. Uh, I'm looking into new kind of uh, products all the time, but I'm very much restricted by my purchasing power. If I had the the finance to be able to kind of you know invest heavily, then uh, I could probably um, choose more materials. And one of the reasons why I don't do more bamboo t-shirts is because the colours that I can get are quite limited. Um, but in terms of new products, I mean, I'm actually thinking about doing some kind of crowdfunding to try and maybe take the business to the next level. Be interested to see what the response would be like, because mm-hmm. um, I think um, I'd love to do things like uh, gloves and protection. I think that would really suit the Broken Riders brand, it, particularly if I could bring my product design experience to to it as well. You know, I see a, quite a few faults with the things that I I buy in terms of protection and gloves, and uh, it'd be great to to do that kind of thing. Helmets as well, um, but I think uh, near term. Um, I'm seriously thinking about doing. As I know I said earlier about not competing with outdoor uh, with other mountain biking brands and doing riding jerseys, but I would love to do another riding jersey. Yeah. If I can find the last ones I did were made out of recycled polyester. If I can find somebody that could produce a good product with low um, numbers, and that's always the killer for me—the kind of minimum order—then uh, I would I would definitely do um, another recycled polyester mountain bike jersey
1: yeah i think i think it's a nice product to have in your range even if it was a lost leader kind of thing mm. you know it, it might actually work and draw more people to your to your brand because we all love we all love jerseys we all love riding jerseys you and know. they
0: get trashed quite quickly <laughs> yeah
1: they do that's true um,
0: yeah, very yeah um but it's a great you know it's a great advertisement for your brand isn't it because people are wearing it in the right environment either On the trail or in the in the cafe at the end of the ride.
1: Yeah, and your logo I think would be awesome for a riding jersey. It just it just wants to be put on a riding jersey. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. I've got um I've got some new t shirt designs coming up as well. Um, I've got loads of ideas um for t shirts. Um, it's just um because of the financial situation, I kind of have to wait until I've sold enough so I can then invest in the next one. And then there's also the restock thing. So my wife always says, you know, you've ordered more t shirts. Well, that, that's a business model, you know. You kind of design a t-shirt, you sell it, and then after order more to restock it if it's a popular design. Mm-hmm. So it is a constant balance with the financial thing, and I'm sure it's the same for many, many small businesses. You know, cash is king, as they say, and uh, yeah, trying to keep the finances going so I don't, I don't bankrupt myself is um, is is quite a challenge.
1: Yeah, it's all cash flow, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, isn't it? That you have to be really careful about. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Yeah,
1: and, and one mistake, you know, one mistake can just destroy everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's never that much cash in the bank. It yeah. comes in, but it goes back out again in either restocking yeah. or or investing in new products or, you know, servicing the website and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm going to be um, doing a, a photo shoot, photo and video shoot uh, this summer as well, which would be good because that can... That means I can then uh, reinvest in the website, get a new website up and running, some uh, much more visually engaging. Um, you might I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of moving all the t-shirt um, pictures over on the website to uh, a more kind of consistent uh, look and feel. Uh, I'm trying mm, to those yeah. a bit more up to date, um, make it easier for people to to see what they're buying. Really,
1: yeah, perfect, perfect. No, it's it's brilliant. And Tom, how can folks? best get in contact with you and support what you're doing there and support the environment at the same time is it just through your website's the best spot or social
0: yeah you? how many people want to get in touch with me we're on facebook broken riders on facebook uh twitter broken riders uh instagram broken riders and the website brokenriders.com uh i'm going to be doing a few events this year uh I've got one coming up in a couple of weeks which is um pt's steel city downhill up in sheffield there uh, got a mtb meetup which um it's happening at Clandegla Forest in, in June. And if you've never been to it, I advise you go because it's fantastic. It's um it's a, a two-day event. mainly. It's mainly on the Saturday, but there's a bit of stuff going off on, the, on a Sunday as well. It's basically just a bunch of people getting together and having a ride. And there's all sorts of free skills courses, photography courses. Uh, there's a few vendors there that are kind of choice vendors that have been chosen because they're Got friendly, friendly help with a friendly atmosphere of the event, and unlike most uh, mountain bike events which are centred around racing, um, this is just like a basically a big ride out. It's fantastic, and one of the things I love is that I get to have go and have a ride with some customers.
1: Yeah, no, that that would be cool. That would be so cool yeah it's great and you get their feedback too so it'll help
0: you as well yeah sure and you get and the best thing is you know you get to have a laugh and and uh the food there at clandeggler forest is fantastic and uh there's even a local brewer who turns up with a with a barrel of beer called the Burnbasher basher and gives out free beers so you know what's well, not yeah. to like
1: yeah yeah class no brilliant well here tom thanks very much i really appreciate you coming on the show and it, it was really interesting just chatting about the whole environmental thing and uh to see how that will go in the future will be be very interesting and hopefully quite exciting for the industry.
0: Yeah, um, can I just mention as well, one thing I'm going to yeah. do is we've just uh, launched a new T-shirt uh, called On Good Days I Ride. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, the, the slogan is On Good Days I Ride, On Bad Days I Ride More. And somebody made a really interesting comment on social media about um, it's a really good slogan given kind of recent highlighting about mental health and everything. And about how, you know, riding for a lot of people is, is a great way of getting a bit of stress and, and, and helping with kind of mental health issues. So one of the things I've, I've decided today that I'm going to do is that I'm going to donate uh, 20% of all sales from those T-shirts to uh, the Mind Charity. And I'm seriously thinking about ways in which going forwards it can help um, with Mind, maybe do some fundraising or something like that. Yeah. So you see that on the website in the next uh, in the next couple of days, where twenty percent of all proceeds all profits from one of the t shirts going to go to Mind.
1: Awesome, brilliant, I love it. I absolutely love it. And you know, it's funny. Um, I was listening to a podcast, or oh, maybe a few months ago, and they were talking about that about giving back to the industry you're in. And the guy that was that was on the podcast, he's a multi millionaire, but what he was saying was. He feels that in the next 10 to 15 years as a company, if you don't actually give a percentage back to causes, you'll find it very hard to struggle and are very hard to, to kind of survive because people will almost expect that. So that's awesome that you're doing that. I think that's brilliant. Thanks.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the days of brands just taking, just kind of shouting people and telling them to buy and then taking their money. And that's the end of it. I think for, A lot of brands those days are numbered. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, a more inclusive world would be a better world and one where we kind of think about what we're buying, think about who we're buying it from, think about its impact on the environment. And, um, you know, and it all helps. And um, I think there'd be a much better world.
1: Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing with your brand. And um, we'll put all your all your links and how to get in contact on the show notes and stuff for people to check out and um, go and check out your website and and see what you're at and maybe even get in contact with you if you wouldn't mind that. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you what. um, How about um, we? I'll give ten percent to all your listeners, ten percent discount. So if they use the code MTB Tribe at the checkout, they get ten percent off anything they buy.
1: That sounds absolutely awesome. We can do that. No problem. That's great. I'm sure they'll they'll appreciate that. Classic. That's awesome. I love that. Okay, no problem. Well, Tom, here. Thanks very much, and I will speak to you in the near future. And hopefully everything goes well this season for you. And Broken Riders goes from strength to strength, and you don't break anything. Else.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, my mates say that I, I live the brand. I'm all, I'm quite a regular guy that crashes If I, I'm, I'm the guy that's fast
1: flash and first to crash uh-huh, the way <laughs> class class well Tom thanks very much I appreciate it I appreciate your time I um, have a great
0: day thanks man I've really enjoyed it thanks a lot for having me on
1: that's a wrap for episode 38 folks I hope you enjoyed that isn't it? Tom such a cool guy and the Broken Riders stuff is such a cool brand as I say go to their website brokenridersuk.com and check out their gear. It's very cool and very nice quality. You can also check out more info on Tom and Broken Riders. Just go to the show notes at mtb-tribe.com and get info there. And also don't forget to get your free 20% off your Broken Riders gear. If you want some t-shirts or some gear for yourself or a loved one or for a friend or a present or whatever, you can get 20% off now by just simply going to brokenridersuk.com and to claim your free 20% off the gear just simply enter the following code at checkout MTB Tribe. that's all one word spelled M-T-B-T-R-I-B-E you will get your 20% off after you do that the offer starts from the 31st of May and ends on the 8th of June midnight so if you're going to do that thanks very much Tom will be very much appreciated and thanks so much for Tom for doing that and giving us and the listeners the opportunity to get 20% off some new gear so thanks so much that was great now again I just want to mention the free entry that you can win for the Dava Enduro worth up to £40 so to enter that simply subscribe to the podcast remember to check your emails to confirm your subscription then go to the contact page and send me a short email including your name and that you want to win a free entry to the Davo Enduro it's that simple and if you're already a subscriber just drop me an email via the contact page on the website and let me know with the same I will then randomly pick a winner on the 10th of June and let you know if you are the lucky winner via email so good luck with that now if you want more info on the 20% off your gear at Brogan Riders or you want more info on the Dava Enduro just simply go to the resources page on the website and there's extra links and stuff there so you can find out a wee bit more so good luck with that folks and thank you so much now if you want to know more about the show you can follow us on the old socials Instagram is at MTV Tribe and Facebook MTV tribe you can also subscribe to the show whether you want to win a free enduro entry or not that's awesome i really appreciate that and if you listen via itunes please leave a review five stars obviously is the only way to go and it helps people see the show and the more people i can get on the show the more freebies and stuff i can give you and the more good info i can give you guys. So it all helps, and if you've done that, thank you so much. And if not, please spend two or three minutes and do that. I'd be very, very appreciative of that. So thanks for listening to the show this week, folks. I really appreciate it. And I am about next week with another MTB tribe and some more great info for you guys to get you out on the trail and keep you stoked. See you next week.